reading from the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the 33rd verse. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Then Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amazingly enough, that is not the most popular of Jesus' parables. (laughs) Probably because sometimes it reminds us that we act like all this is ours, right? That we act like what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in the church, what God is doing here in Adna Church is us. When truly, when truly it's all God's work. For it's God who planted the vineyard. It's God who built the fence. It's God who brings the water. We only tend. And when Jesus says in verse 42, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. He's quoting from Psalm 118. And you've probably heard verse 24 of Psalm 118. It goes like this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it's recognizing that the setting up of the stone that was rejected as the cornerstone of all creation is the day that the Lord has made. The beginning of all things new. The day that that Isaiah hoped for when he warned Israel... 
that they were a vineyard not producing the fruit they were made to produce. The stone the builders rejected and has become the chief cornerstone is said to be the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. And no wonder, because it truly was a carpenter's son from the backwaters of the Roman Empire, a stone that no one would have chosen, that God has set up as cosmic king. As king of the universe, God established someone no one else would have given the time of day. A stone rejected, a son turned away at the gate. This is the Lord's doing. I wonder if that's amazing in our eyes. In the fullness of time, after sending many other prophets who were treated just like the slaves in this parable, who were stoned, who were killed, who were berated, who were ignored, God sent His own Son to the vineyard. And He, too, was rejected and killed. But God raised him from the dead, and as Paul said, or as Peter said, made him both Lord and Christ. King of the cosmos and Savior of all creation. That is the Lord's doing. Is it amazing in our eyes? One commentator wrote about this parable. He said, we're invited to ask the question, not what will the landlord do, but what did the landlord do? Because we know the rest of the story. And to that question, we have Jesus' own answer. The landlord sent His Son to treat with all of us who have hoarded God's blessings for ourselves and not given God God's own due. And when we killed Him, God raised Him from the dead and sent Him back to us yet once again. One more time, still bearing the message of God's crazy love. The parable that Jesus told was about Himself coming to those same chief priests and Pharisees, the people that God had chosen to tend the vineyard, and proclaiming God's love and a new thing that God was doing in Him, and they killed Him for it. And God raised Him from the dead and sent Him back to us once again and sends Him to us over and over and over as we gather in worship around this table. It seems that the chief priests and the Pharisees, the scribes and the people who answered Jesus' question, thought that what really should have happened is that the God should have put the finger down on them and crushed them all and been done with them and not given them a second chance, not cared about them anymore, but just let them be who they wanted to be. Give them up to destruction. Destroy them. Let them have what they deserve. But instead, what God did is raise Jesus from the dead and send Him back to us again to once again say, I'm here, I'm here for my Father's fruit. I find that amazing. I think that what the Pharisees said is the logical conclusion. Well, he'll give them a miserable death. But instead, what really happened is Christ came back from the dead to offer the whole world forgiveness of sin.
God came to a vineyard He planted, to creation, in the form of His Son, to give us eternal life, and we killed Him for it. But what God did is not destroy us, but raise Him and send Him again. I find that amazing. The psalmist found that thought amazing too. That a rejected stone would become the center of all creation. I've seen some other amazing things in my life. I remember I had this image of a sycamore tree burned into my brain. I don't know where I saw it, but it was somewhere on I-77 headed north. I know that much because it was on the left when I saw it. And I was coming to Rock Hill. Y'all get that? Coming from Charlotte, from Columbia? Doesn't matter. I looked over and I saw this thing and the, the trunk was white and it had the little dark rolls of stuff hanging off of it and it had lost about half of its leaves. And the rest of those leaves were on it were like dipples that, that maybe Gil had painted on his canvas and little gold flecks. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I wanted to turn around and go back to the exit before and come back just so I could see it again. It was so beautiful. It was amazing in my eyes. You ever seen anything like that that just made you stop and think, wow, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Another one that I can think of when I was prying in my dad's mind for the name of that kind of tree, because my dad knows all them things about trees, and I flunked that Boy Scout badge. And he told me it was a sycamore. I'm taking him on his credit for it. But he reminded me about this walnut tree that was in the woods behind my grandmother's house. And in late October, it would look like God had just thrown gold coins out a window. The most beautiful thing you've ever seen. The sun would be over it, coming through those leaves, and it would refract the most beautiful gold you've ever seen. And like you would just be surrounded by that golden light. And all you would want to do is just stand under that tree for hours and just soak that light up. And it was amazing. And I remember going to the Grand Canyon the first time. And standing there on a clear day and feeling like I could put my finger on the other side because of how close it looked to me. But knowing that it was miles and miles and miles. I really felt like it was a two-dimensional painting that I could touch. And I was amazed by how vast it was, by how close it felt. Have you ever felt anything amazing like that? Maybe when you held a child or held your newborn nephew or maybe when you came through the other side of some turmoil in your life and realized all the people who had loved you in the middle of it. Or maybe when you came to some point of realizing how blessed you are and felt amazed at God's goodness. Have you ever felt that way? Just nod if you have. Anything in this world ever made you feel that? The psalmist wants us to know that what God did in Christ is amazing in our eyes. That somehow in us, there's a place where hearing that God sent His Son and though we killed Him, God raised Him up and made Him Lord of the universe can cause that same amazement, can cause that same sense of hope, that same sense of love, that same sense of beauty that can make a Roman torture instrument something we decorate our building with and hang around our necks 
stitch into our clothing. That there's beauty in what Christ has done for us. A deep beauty that's beyond anything else. That the amazingness of it. That God would love us so much to come to us not just once in Christ, but twice. And even today, to come to us here at this table, to meet us and once again offer us forgiveness for turning our back on Him. That's what the tenants did. It's bad enough that they killed the slaves, but what they really did is turn their back on God. They turned their back on the owner of the vineyard. They turned their back on the one who loved them, who had given them a place to work and to be fulfilled. I wonder if you noticed that Jesus did not affirm their answer when they said He will put them to a miserable death. Jesus didn't say, yeah, that's right. Instead, what He did was talk about the full end of things. That even after they did that, God would raise up that stone. So that there could be life in Him. Now, captured in Jesus' parable is a warning that Jesus is also a stone we can stumble on and fall on and be crushed. That if we reject Him even now, we too will be rejected. But there's still the beautiful amazement that even today, bringing whatever sins we bear in ourselves, whatever things we've done wrong this week, this month, since we last came to the table, that even today, God will not turn us away. God will not reject us. Is that amazing in your eyes? Is that a beautiful thing to you? If we took a poll of most people, most people would say that the Pharisees and the chief priests had it right. That God should bring down the iron fist on those people. But what God did instead was offer them and the rest of us life in Christ. In the resurrected Jesus. That's the Lord's doing. And it's amazing in our sight. For in it we see God's amazing love. We see God's amazing mercy. And we see God's amazing grace. And those things, dear ones, are available for you today at this table. And so I invite you to come rejoicing because this is the day the Lord has made for you. To taste His amazing grace and see that the Lord is good. That you are accepted at the most intimate place of God's life, at God's own table. Come rejoicing in amazement.